are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Sam and Steve here for another rundown of the past week of Yankees baseball. And once again, Sam, we are flying high here. Eight and two on the week, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. This is absolutely nuts. It is getting to the point where this team is a wagon. It's a new person every single night. Case in point, Monday, Jose Trevino with a three-run home a run the first of the season. The catcher, who it's basically like batting a pitcher in that spot. This is just getting out of control. The Yankees are 26-9. and nine. They've already built a substantial lead in the American League East by just doing so many things the right way. Thanks to the Tigers' late comeback over the Tampa Bay Rays, the Yankees are six up in the loss column against the Rays, eight up against the Blue Jays. And then you have the Red Sox all the way down there in last place with the Baltimore Orioles. So a great start to the series against the O's. Three of four in Chicago. I know they're off to a bit of a rocky start, but they're playing around 500 ball. What's not to like right now? Sam, there is absolutely everything and then some more to like about Yankees baseball. As you said, the division here is is looking good. Five and a half games in the middle of May is always nice to see, particularly on Monday night. The entire division lost, except for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are 8-2 and two over the last 10. No one else in the division is above 500 over the last 10 games. So they are just stacking wins and, and stacking games between here themselves here. So it's great to see. The Blue Jays, the guaranteed AL East winners here of, of, uh, of the winter, uh, one game over 500 right now. And then you mentioned the Red Sox here, 12 and a half games back here. They're on pace for like 114 losses. Um, I'm starting to see sell-off articles. You know, the Athletics said that the, the Red Sox should look to move Xander Bogarts at the deadline. So the, the AL East is kind of in free fall right now, except for, for the Yankees. And then just even outside of the division, overall, the Yankees are three games better than every other team in baseball. Right now, the Astros uh, are on fire, but we know they're a good team. And right now, it's looking like a little collision course of the, you know, the Astros and Yankees being the two best teams in the American League. But it's uh, it's been great to watch. You know, the Mets are doing good. If it's a good all-around for New York baseball. There's really not much to complain about. But let's look at the past 10 games. Four in the last 25. The Yankees left Baltimore on <laughs> April 17th. This episode comes out May 17th. That's exactly one month. They've lost four times... Since that, four times in the last month after everybody said the season was over on Easter Sunday when they lost two or three to Baltimore to drop to five and five, everybody said the season was over that day. Everybody on Twitter saying this team couldn't compete, yada, yada. Well, this is quite the heater right now. They are more than a quarter of the way to 100 wins two weeks before Memorial Day. We're not even at Memorial Day. That is unbelievable two and weeks before it look it's a long season so they're going to come back to earth a little bit they're not going to be playing at 120 game pace so there's going to be some episodes where we're, we're getting a little more on the upset side of things and complain that the yankees aren't hitting they aren't doing anything in running position their, their, their pitching is not going deep but until that point sam let's just talk about the good stuff because it's been good up and down the lineup we've had players get absolutely white hot and cool off but the minute they cool off they get absolutely 
white hot again. And the the person that we need to start our three up with this ep- this episode is Giancarlo Stanton, who is beyond white hot at this point. Put up some some silly numbers here. He's finally he's joined the uh, the double digit home run club with with ten home runs uh, on the year, seven in his last fifteen games. And Stanton is hitting the ball 110 miles an hour off the bat. Every game. And it's really fun to watch. He played right field today. He played, made a nice play against the line at, at one point for a foul ball. You know, I'll take the looking bad on a strikeout, which he happens to do once a game. Because he's hitting a home run once a game. Because he's getting RBIs once a game. Because he's slugging, you know, freaking almost 900 this week. Stan is looking good at age 32. Prime of his career. And to be honest, I tweeted out earlier this week. Kind of on a steal of a contract right now for the Yankees compared to some of the other deals we've seen th- this winter. A-Rod in his age 32 season won MVP in the Bronx. That was one of the best seasons we've seen in recent memory. Yeah. He hit over 300. He had 54 home runs. John Carlos Stanton's in his age 32 season. And what is standing out to me right now, he's sitting almost 300. He's sitting 289 on the season. Since April 26th, he was benched in the season finale against the Indians, and then the Yankees brought him back against the Orioles for that series in the Bronx. Since April 26th, he's entering Monday night's game. 369, his OPS is well over 1,000, eight home runs. Somebody said it over the weekend on the broadcast. Some guys get hot. Some guys get hot to the point where they can carry a team for a 14 or 17 or 20-day stretch. That player is Giancarlo Stanton. When he's hot, he is one of the most terrifying people to face in all of baseball. And you just see it in his eyes when he's up right now. He is locked in. He's hitting the ball to all fields. I've picked him to win MVP on our preseason episode some two or three times since he's been with the Yankees. I know I picked Torres in the shortened season <laughs> 2020 we we all were we all picked that we're on that train here but you have been on the stanton train for a while i picked stanton in 2018 and 2021 i believe but watching this guy right now is an absolute treat he is locked in and the yankees are going places he's obviously going to come back down to earth but since august 1st of last year him and aaron judge are just otherworldly and when you have those two hitters going you just need two or three other guys to step up here and there and you're going to be playing 100 win ball yeah and i want to talk about judge a little bit but i just want to bring up the i thought the the funnier point of uh versus the the white Sox here joe kelly was looking pretty bad so it makes sense that he gets pulled but they pulled kelly to bring in a lefty to face stain and just like literally everybody on the broadcast everybody on the internet was like well, this is there's no chance this works out for the White Sox, and it's like second pitch, Stan smacks in two runs off the off the lefty, and was like, well, what did you expect was going to happen? You're bringing a lefty to face to face Stan here? Come on, guys! Uh, especially when he when he's eyeing the ball like he is, giving him that extra split second to to see a left handed pitch, which was just kind of uh, funny to see. It really was, and you go back to August of last year. This is. August, September, April, May. We're at four consecutive months of Giancarlo Stanton being a terrifying threat at the plate. So watch out. I saw a tweet. Could Judge and Stanton be the first teammates to hit 50 home runs? Judge has 12. Stanton has 10. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid and get too far ahead of myself here, but that's something I'm going to watch. I know Steve does the home run tracker (laughs) on, on Twitter. I won't be tracking judge and Stanton home runs, but 
as the summer goes along and we get closer to that all-star break and Judge and Stanton have 23, 28 home runs apiece, that's going to be a big topic of conversation. It's going to be huge. And I, I love the, the Stanton MVP talk, but you can't have that conversation without mentioning Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has, across the board, has better numbers than, than Stanton. You know, I was saying Stanton's almost hitting 300. Aaron Judge is hitting 296 right now. That, that, that's unbelievable for Judge. That would be a career high. And he leads the league in home runs at 12 home runs. So the, the Yankees are going to be up there with these two guys. Like if they, Them going for 50 together would be all-time excitement for Yankee fans here. MVP leader in the house is, until he gets hurt for the longest years to come, is Mike Trout. But it's it's going to be a, a good battle. Uh, Otani as well, too. The Angel, Angels are looking really good in general, but I think Aaron Judge is going to be there, and you're 100% right. If Stan continues to play like he's playing, he's going to be up there as well. Last thing on Stan here is just more of a, more back to the home run tracker. Rizzo hit his 10th home run tonight. He's had a rough week. We'll talk about him on the three down here, but there's five players in baseball that have double-digit home runs, and three of them are in pinstripes, and on a normal lineup, they hit back-to-back-to-back. Are you kidding me? You want to be a pitcher going up there with Aaron Judge, 12 home runs, Anthony Rizzo, 10 home runs, John Carlos Stanton, 10 home runs? Get the fuck out of here. I'd rather just roll the ball and give him three walks and see who's coming up next. It's crazy you mentioned that stat because I saw something last week that the average OPS in MLB was like 667. OPS, I mean, that is some crazy, crazy stuff, so... Offense is obviously down throughout all of baseball, but there's no shortage of home runs in the Bronx. And Rizzo's been struggling a little bit of late, but that's fine. We'll get to that later. Donaldson's heating up. You know, Joey Gallo's joining the home run party. And then you have Judge and Stanton. And then Rizzo, like I said, with 10 home runs apiece. That is crazy. The Bronx Bombers are back. They, they the lead Bronx the, Bombers are back. They, they, the home runs are down. OPS is down across the league, as you mentioned. Yankees are basically tied with the Phillies for the top OPS in baseball, which is surprising to see the Phillies up there. But the Yankees are 52 home runs. That's three above the Brewers and the Angels right now. They, But home runs are down significantly. I saw there's this point when during like the, the juice ball era, there was already over 1,000 home runs. There was like 1,200 home runs through middle of May. We're, we're not even touching 1,000. Yeah, across Major League Baseball now. So the, the baseballs are definitely being altered, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the Yankees as they lead the league in home runs behind guys who are white hot like Stain and Aaron Judge. So let's round out the outfield here. Had, had a bonehead play to start the game that didn't cost the Yankees, but I think we got to give a little a little shout out to Joey Gallo. He, he looks like he is coming around from the in the box. He's starting to get some home runs. Crushed a nice one uh, on Sunday. That, that you know, it wasn't really have any meaning to it, but he's got five home runs on the year. His batting average is at 191, but that's significant improvement that we've seen. You know, the last two weeks, you know, he's batting almost 240 since you know, since we last talked. He's been you know a 250 hitter, and for for Joey Gallo, that is significant improvement. So look, these are small small wins for someone who's had a very very rough start to a year. On the best team in baseball. But could you just imagine if Joey Gallo gets hot? Joey Gallo hits home runs in bunches. And we're seeing that now. He's got five five on the year. And four have come in the last two weeks. But he can get even hotter than that. And he could have 10 home runs in two weeks. So that this lineup. And he's batting more. The seven hole. More often than not these days here. Gallo um, coming around a little bit. And we hope this trend continues. 
and we get to see that average hopefully jump over the Mendoza line permanently. We recorded April 25th, and I said Joey Gallo would have two home runs in that Baltimore series in the Bronx, and he did just that. So some are saying that I turned his season around. I think Gallo said it himself. He said uh, that guy on that real Sam Mars, not the fake Sam Mars, said I'm going to turn it around. <laughs> it, it happens to be you, and you deserve the credit for it here. Look, I picked Gallo to hit the most home runs in baseball, and he's he's only got five. Uh, on the year so i'm striking out there for now it's better than he has and what's more important than that is i think it's a funny stat just because it's winning if the yankees weren't winning these stats aren't that funny but he's driven himself in five times so he's got five home runs and seven rbis so he's only driven in two people the whole year and both of those have come on two run jacks so he doesn't have an rbi that doesn't involve a home run but that's that's the joey gallo life it's all or nothing he's gonna rely on that home run and ideally, he's going to play great defense besides dropping that ball today. A couple of really nice plays at third base today from Josh Donaldson, which is great to see. We know he's got a good glove, and he's provided that good glove for the Yankees this season, even though he hasn't been hitting. That looks like it's starting to turn around. Look, the Yankees are winning constantly, and their big offseason acquisition of Josh Donaldson hasn't done big name, big money, hasn't really produced that much. It's starting to turn around. Last 15 games, he's batting 310. Last seven games, he's batting 350. He's got home runs, three home runs over that span as well. So he has five on the year now. Same as Gallo, but he's got 14 RBIs. So you see the difference there between Gallo and Donaldson there. He's got double the amount of RBIs as Joey Gallo. And his on-base percentage now is creeping towards the 360 mark where, you know, that's still a little low for him. I think we could see him possibly at 375 by the end of the season here. But it's great to see that that the swing, uh, the bringer of rain is starting to uh, come down for, for Josh Donaldson. I love how a lot of people just look at a guy's age and say he's washed. Yeah. Like, that yeah. happened with Donaldson a lot. He's not the Toronto Donaldson, but he is still a very, very good player. And it surprises me a little bit when Yankees fans just look at a guy's age and say, oh, he's washed. As if David Ortiz didn't kill the Yankees until he was fucking 50 years old. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. And I'll I'll be one of the first ones to admit, when I saw that the Twins gave him a four-year contract back in 2020, I was like, that is going to be a terrible deal. I didn't expect the Yankees to take on the back half of that deal. But it's today's day and age across all sports here. The way that these players train and the way that they, they prepare themselves for the game, playing at 36 was probably the same as playing at like 31 20 years ago here. So there's a huge difference of what these guys are doing to, to get ready for here. And and Josh is a complete psycho. I think everybody agrees to that. So the bat speed might not be as much, but I agree with you. At 36, you can't say this guy's washed and you can't say that he's you know not playing at the level that is expected of him. And look, he's on the year, he's still batting only 250. But I mean, he batted 247 last year. That's kind of kind of where we're at his numbers from, from last year. So this, this is what, if the Yankees expected him to repeat what he did in 2021, that he's doing that right now. He's on pace to top to reach all those same numbers. Yeah, and he had that crazy year in Atlanta in 2019 when he was 33. But 30, And he had 37 home runs, 94 RBIs, and that landed him this huge contract. You know, that, that was the year that, that proved that he still got it. If he has his numbers that he did last year in Minnesota, 135 games is right around what I'm looking for him as well. I, I'd have signed for that before the season, and he looks like he's really coming around. The thing that stands out to me, and I know he had this in his career, but the opposite field power is awesome. A lot of these home runs are going to the opposite field. Obviously, Yankee Stadium is friendly. Yeah, it's there perfect People for it. hit the ball to right field. So he's that's got, really encouraging. He's got insane 
you know, hard hit contact and exit velocity. So if he does get a little older, which I mean, he's fucking 37, about to be 37 years old. If he loses that millisecond on that swing, it's still able to just, all right, so he can't pull the ball. And all right, fine, be a little late and hit the ball the opposite way and you're hitting home runs at Yankee Stadium. Um, and that, that had to be a, a factor for, for the Yankees here. Kind of really, really turning around the, these past two weeks here and, and being what the, what the Yankees needed here. So have you seen, I've seen a lot of people come in complaining about him getting a lot of days off, kind of not really playing third base in, in back-to-back games. He's starting to do that a little bit more now. May 12th, May 13th, he played back-to-back at, at third base. The Yankees had the you know, May 3rd, May 4th, he played back-to-back at third base. Are you concerned about how he's doing versus DH versus third base? Do you think it's taken him a little longer to adjust to the DH life and not playing as often? He's a guy the Yankees need to keep fresh. He's not one of these younger guys. So I think it's taken him some time to adjust to that role that the Yankees have in mind for him at this stage of this career. Absolutely. I think he's really starting to come around though, obviously. And it shows at the plate, it shows in the field tonight, him and Rizzo with really good chemistry at the corners of the infield. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good thought by you, Steve, that it could take him some time to adjust third base, DH off day, third base, DH, third base, third base, off day, DH. I get what you're saying. And I think the numbers kind of show that too. Look, he doesn't have a home run at the DH spot yet. Take in what you want of that. But um, he, he he gets more. He has nine of his 25 hits are at the DH spot. So obviously he's played a little more third base than DH. But he, he's hitting better when he's at third base and he's hitting with more power when he's at third base. And this is a guy that's been consistently in the lineup his entire career at third base. So, you know, even though it's a half day and it's hopefully going to prolong him from being healthy, you know, preventing injury here, there's definitely a mindset in him, even at 36, that, hey, maybe I, maybe he doesn't get fully into the game. This is a very intense human being. If maybe play, being a DH doesn't bring that level of intensity to it when he goes to the plate, that could be a factor. Maybe he's overthinking at the DH level here. Just something to keep an eye on as the Yankees do rotate through here. Look, the Yankees... Aaron Boone are throwing out every freaking lineup possible at us, which has been completely fine because it's working. But if there is a losing streak to come in here, this is be one of the points I want to look at of how many games do the Yankees lose where Donaldson is DH for, versus third base. Um, because right now everybody in the infield is, it deserves to get the, get a spot. But it's something we saw a lot with Stan when he first came onto the Yankees here. Of him be saying, hey, I'm more comfortable when I'm playing right field than I am at DH. I think that's kind of gone out the window over, over the past few years. But it took him a while to get used to that. It took him a while to be like, hey, DH is still ridiculously important for this team and I need to be able to adjust and play at that DH spot because I don't see the Yankees changing it up right now. The way that DJ's playing, the Rizzo, like you said, 10 home runs, even though we're going to talk about him in about 30 seconds, about him being cold. Glaber Torres, as he was he was on our three-up list last week. There are still too many infielders for the Yankees, so we're going to have to keep rotating it in and out there, and I expect Donaldson to be at least twice a week at, at DH. I think that's a good estimation for sure, especially at his age and how he's playing and how he's heating up right now. I think the plan that he's on, the Yankees, without a doubt, keep him on. And there's no reason to change. Like you said, with the best team in baseball, everything's going right for them across the board. Their fielding is one of the better fielding teams in baseball compared to being one of the worst fielding teams. So if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. Uh, and that just comes to the, the craziness of the lineup. As you said, Judge got the day off on Monday. He'll be back in there. Maybe Stan gets a day off. He, he got one over the weekend as well. So it'll be interesting to see who's uh, 
who gets the days off here and there too. Sam, let's finish the three up list here with the bullpen. Just kind of the bullpen in general here. Uh, the number one guy we need to talk with is is Clay Holmes. This guy has been an absolute stud for the Yankees, and now people even wanted to have a little fake closure controversy uh, for the end of games here. But Clayton W. Holmes has gone from a hated man because the Yankees traded Hoy Park away to get him, and now he's just been absolutely stellar for the Yankees. He has a 4-0 with a .49 ERA. He's already been in 18 games. He's had two saves. He's got 18 innings pitched. He's got 18 strikeouts. This guy's doing everything for the Yankees. He is the ground ball connoisseur of baseball. He is His ground ball rate is through the roof. He was around 83% last time I checked, and the next closest guy in baseball was in the 60s. So the Yankees, once again, picked a reliever out of the hat and have turned this guy into an overall stud muffin for hopefully years to come. He is so fun to watch. I love that sinker at 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. He is absolutely filthy, and it's just a lesson to be learned for some fans that sometimes the front office and Matt Blake know what they're doing when they get their hands on a pitcher. Seriously, he has so many things working for him out there. He's established himself, in my view, might take another month or two, but one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Oh, I think he's there. These guys shoot their load kind of quick. Like It's pretty amazing that Chapman has been as good as he's been for a, a lot of his career since coming to MLB in 2010. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. To 12 think years about as a reliever is a lifetime. But he goes even so much to that. Look, three episodes ago, we were talking about how Mike King is the greatest reliever to ever face MLB hitters in the history of baseball. And now we're like, oh, he's not even the best reliever on the Yankees. <laughs> it's Clay Holmes, without a doubt. And the sinker, the ground balls, it makes you very comfortable going into an eighth or ninth inning knowing that guys have a very hard time elevating the ball against him because that solo home run, he's probably not going to give up. He's going to take a couple hits and a walk to tie the game. Just some filthy, filthy stuff out of him. Zach Britton was the guy that we thought was going to be the best reliever Brian Cashman traded for. And that might be the case because Britain did have a couple of good years with the Yankees, 2018, 2019, and that power sinker ball. But Clay, Holmes, it's on a different level, the velocity and everything. And the Yankees didn't get Britain in his prime, but the velocity and the tenacity on this guy is electric. Sam, he's not even arbitration eligible. He's arbitration eligible after this season. He's with the Yankees for years to come, no, no matter what. Uh, he gave up uh, an opening hit uh, that scored. Or he gave up an opening run on opening day to the to the Red Sox. Other than that, this guy has been lights out nails. This is his first game of the year, three hits, one earned run. Since then, eight hits total in 17 games. Eight hits, zero runs, zero runs. I mean, ZRA is, is under a half a run right now because he hasn't given up a run since that opening day. Wipe out that opening day. This guy's been literally perfect. It's it's fun to watch here. You know, going into the season, I think you would agree here that the order in the reverse order from from nine back would have been Chapman, Loizaga, Green, maybe Wandy Peralta, and then Clay Holmes. And now you're looking at Clay Holmes. It, it, people are arguing should be the closer over Chapman. And you know, if you have to go reverse here, you go. It's still let's say Chapman's a closer. It's Chapman. Holmes, King, Castro, and then you got guys like Luizaga and Green who both pitched well uh, on Monday here. But 
the the pecking order of the bullpen has drastically changed, in my opinion, from what we expected on, on opening day. Without a doubt. And you have obviously calls for Clay Holmes to supplant Chapman as the closer. You have, yeah, it's really, really crazy how that all has played out. Michael King and Clay Holmes, you really saw the flashes of greatness from Holmes last year. You knew he had that stuff. For Clay Holmes and Michael King to be the talk of the town of the bullpen, rather than Chad Green and Lewiska and Chapman, has been really surprising for me. Couldn't couldn't agree more on that front. I think that, that leads us perfectly, I think, into the, the three down. And look, we said it last episode too. It's tough to have to be looking down on players when your team is white hot. You know, we recorded after they blew that, they, they finally ended their 11-game win streak, um, and they, they were 11-1 and one, um, between times of recordings. This time they're 8-2 and two between times of us getting together here. Um, so it's tough to pick players that are having down times. We, you, there's, you only want to talk about the good things here, but there's always room for improvement. You're the New York Yankees here. Unless you win 190 games and two World Series every year, there's always room for improvement. Um, so the, I think one of the more shocking players that hasn't performed up to the level of expectation this year is Jonathan Loizaga. This guy was the talk of baseball. He was going to be you know, the, the closer in waiting for if the Yankees move on from Araldis Chapman. Absolutely lights out stuff in 2021. And I hate to say it now, it seems like maybe people have figured out Johnny, Johnny Lasagna because uh, he's got a, almost a six ERA right now. And he pitched he pitched a good one, two, three uh, on Monday versus the Orioles. But uh, before that, he gave up two runs versus the White Sox before the Yankees um, blew that game open. He actually technically got a blown save for that. Uh, in the 6-5 win two weeks ago versus Toronto, he gave up uh, another earned run there too. Uh, dating back to earlier in the year versus Baltimore, one of the games the Yankees actually lost this year, he gave up four earned runs in, in, in one innings pitched. So, you know, there's not been the same Johnny Cheese that we expected coming into the year. Uh, and thankfully it hasn't cost the Yankees too much, but um, maybe a little cause concern moving forward. I think he's going to turn it around. That's just my view. This guy's stuff is too good not to. But it goes back to the point that relievers just have glimpses here and there sometimes, you know, for a year or two. And we talked about Lewiska a lot in 2020. He was really good in 2021 as well. So, yes, yeah, some cause for concern, but I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. If he's like this in July – then yeah, he's going to be way down the pecking order, not in high leverage situations like he was Thursday night in Chicago. But yeah, you're right. It's it's something to keep an eye on. It's not something I'm sounding the alarm on though. Look, I, I you have to you have to keep an eye on it. He's given up nine earned runs this year. He gave up 17 all last year in 57 games. So he's pitching 15 this year already. Nine earned runs. Uh, you know, big big drastic change. He's given up three home runs this year. Gave up three all of last year. Um, but uh, you're right. The stuff is there and we've seen him be able to turn that stuff into success as a elite bullpen arm. Cause that's since the Yankees got him from the giants years and years ago, the, the report on him has always been elite stuff. Can it translate to dominating major league innings? You know, that was, you know, coming in as a starter, you know, he started a couple games, the Yankees in 2018 and 2019. 
it was always all right. You know, second time through the order, he started getting a little tired, starting getting some, all right, let's make this guy a bullpen guy. Let's see if he could be a long reliever type guy. All right, this guy's got elite stuff. Let's throw him in there for one, two innings. And, you know, looked like Mariano Rivera in 1996 at, at times uh, last year. It's a little concerning to see that hopefully this wasn't a one-year blip of 2021 of this guy being an elite bullpen arm. Plenty of time to turn around. As we said, you know, the Yankees are on fire here, but that means there's lots and lots of time in the schedule left to turn it around and gain Boone's trust back. Because right now, uh, King and Holmes are definitely ahead of him in, in the pecking order. So maybe a little less kind of high leverage innings for the next month or so for him to get back on track. And uh, then ideally the Yankees got three elite arms again before the, the closing roll, which leads us to, to Aldis, Aldis Chapman. Got got the loss versus the White Sox. Uh, his first runs of the game, first runs of the year, which I think people would be surprised to hear that based on every time he comes in the game, people think he gives up a grand slam, but he did get, did get that first loss. Uh, you saw that coming a mile away. He didn't have control. He was walking guys. Once there was a runner on base, which we've seen countless times over the years, Chapman turns into a different pitcher. Uh, and then he gave up a, gave up a meaningless home run on Monday, too, to Santander for, for the Orioles here. Uh, how concerned are you about a Chapman as a Yankees closer? Three outings with runs in a row. He gave up one against Toronto in the Thursday finale as yes, well. Right. I'm not that concerned, and I am in the minority here. I am a fan of Aroldis Chapman on the mound. I think he is an elite closer. And closers have bad stretches. We've seen Chapman supplanted from the closers role. We saw it again. We saw it in 2021. We saw it in 2019. We saw it in 2017. It's happened more than more than twice for the Yankees. So he has these weak stretches. They normally come around the end of the summer. I think he's going to really get on a roll again. And then we're going to have this talk towards the end of the summer and He's going to be put back in that role with two weeks left in the season and then start being the elite pitcher that he is again. But he's had these stretches before. It's not off the rails like it is late in the summer, but closers have their stretches just like a hitter does. And when the closer has his stretch, it's a lot more noticeable because it often alters wins and losses. So, and you can see an ERA go from two to seven, and then it takes two months to come back down. Just like Loisica, this is something I'm keeping an eye on. Not hitting the panic button, but it's something I'm keeping an eye on. And do not be surprised, anyone listening out there, for Chapman to bounce back from this little skid and then implode again in the summer because that's that's definitely coming. Yeah, and that that's that's what's happened. Look, he he's gonna blow some saves, and according to the stats, he technically has not blown a save this year yet. He is eight for eight in save opportunities. Took the loss coming into a tie game on Saturday versus the White Sox. He's got the track record. He's got the longevity. He's probably could be a, a Hall of Fame closer. So he's got the reputation to stick with him and and work any situations that he has out. There are a handful of times a year where he comes into a game. And within five pitches, you know that it's going to go disastrous. I would love for just him and for Boone just to be like, all right, you know what? We're just going to move on. Let's go. Take him out and move on from the game. Because there was no way that he wasn't giving up a run in, in that White Sox game. And look, the Yankees were on a run. It doesn't really matter. But Tim Anderson got on base uh, and was dancing around first base. And Chapman threw two balls in a row. And I was like, there is 0.0% chance that Tim Anderson does not score here to win the game. And that's exactly what happened. Like he walked to walked to another guy, and it gave a, a he got a ground ball, but he gave it 
you know, opposite way where the shift was on and it was an easy, easy win, easy score for the, for the White Sox there too. It just, he just sometimes has that mental block where he just can't throw strikes. And it, it's wild knowing his history and knowing how good of a pitcher he is that there's sometimes that's how hard it is to be a closer. He just physically can't throw a strike. Yeah, and even earlier in the year in that almost implosion against Toronto in the Bronx. That was where he refused to throw a fastball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Raldis <laughs> Chapman refusing to throw a fastball, it's, it's just weird to say. I'm sorry, and I know Boone got somebody up when there were two runners on in that game. When one runner gets on base, somebody's got to be getting loose. That was a 3 nothing ball game, but he walked three guys. And then they came out and Mike King got the save. But he pitched the three batters and he walked all three and he refused to throw a fastball. Am I not <laughs> wrong? It's sad to say that, but somebody at least has to be stretching when the first batter gets on against Aroldis Chapman. You don't want to say that about your closer, but it's just that the way it is with him. You know very, very early on if he does not have it. Yeah. It's crazy, but I think it's and you still look at the fact that the Yankees win every game he's in, except for the one so far this year. So it'll be the, the Yankees have, have made it a point to say maybe his usage has been an issue, um, and they want to keep him on regular use throughout the year. And that's yeah, why he, he went kind of, seven days pitching it in that Blue Jays finale. It was his first time on the mound in seven days. Yeah, and a lot of rainouts had to do with that, and you can't really do anything with the, with the schedule there. But the Yankees are making it a fact, like to not let him go three or four days without pitching. If he's up, he's coming in. I think that's what happened today versus the Orioles. There, there was no need for him to come into the end of that game there, but he was up, he was getting hot. You've got to throw him there too. So that's that's fine. If, if Chapman and Boone both agree to that, I'm fine with seeing Chapman come into blowout games. I don't care. Get the work in, get ready. He doesn't really have that long of a, of a history to be like, oh, once he tops 50 innings, he starts declining there too. I don't see that being an issue for him in the long run. So if you're going to use Chapman, use him and um, do do it regularly. So I think we're going to see a lot of Chapman throw him in, throw him in the eighth inning for some games. If the Yankees got a blowout game and they're up ten nothing, and Chapman wants to get some pitches thrown, throw him in the seventh eighth inning. I don't give a shit. I hope he is is the same way too. He's like it doesn't have to be the ninth inning. Just throw him in there, then you can get some other mop up minute innings. From other people if needed to. But it's crazy for a closer to be on the three down list when he's eight for eight on save opportunities on the best team in baseball. He's <laughs> a wild, wild. But that's a real distraction. That that's just who he is. Sam, before we look at this schedule moving forward here for the next week too, any other players that, that kind of popped out at this week that you want to talk good or bad about given this lineup? Look, it's, it, the Yankees are fun, so let, let's let's just keep talking about players that are having fun here. I had to add one to the three down list, and I hate to do it, but uh, Connor Falafel with a few errors in the last week. Okay, yep, yep, a couple, couple drops. Which is uncharacteristic out of him. He had multiple ones in the Toronto game, and he had another one against uh, the White Sox. Yes. Luis Severino's velocity on Monday night to open the series in Baltimore was the best I've seen in all season. He was hitting 98 miles an hour. That uh, Yan- was some vintage Seve. He, he, was the, he was the guy that I was going to bring up here. Uh, Yankees 7-0 and Luis Severino starts. That, that's all you need from a pitcher. 7-0. That, that's perfect. Um, and in his bad starts, he's not getting lit up. He, exactly. He's just lit Even up in, the, in the starts that are bad, he's kept the team in the game long enough for the bats to wake up. Where on the other side of it is, I'm sorry, Jordan Montgomery. This guy needs to basically throw a no-hitter to get a win. The The Yankees here are 2-5 and five when he starts, and the guy's rocking an under-3 ERA. 
He's got sorry, three point oh six ERA right now. Zero and one on the year. He's got twenty nine strikeouts. He's he's doing everything possible for the Yankees, and the Yankees have lost nine games, and five of them have been when Jordan Montgomery starts. No fault of his own at all. Not at all. He's been really good. We talked about Nestor Cortez a lot last week, but I just have to give a special shout out on Sunday. He took over the American League lead in ERA, and he got canceled. So, <laughs> yes. an amazing Sunday for Nestor. What, what a, a full roundabout Sunday for for Nestor. I'm still waiting for him to. Uh, ESPN just dropped kind of what are the current odds and current situations for AL MVP and Cy Young awards, and it is unfortunate to see that that Nestor Cortez is not one of the top 10 pitchers on Caesar Sportsbook for Cy Young. Justin Verlander has been killing it. Gosman has been killing it uh, as well. Those two lead, along with Cole, lead the uh, betting odds for Cy Young. But if you're a Yankee fan, it's time to just throw 10 bucks on Nestor Cortez because his odds are still unbelievably high given the, some of the stats that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. What are his odds right now? Do you have him pulled up by chance? Caesar doesn't doesn't even have him at plus fifteen hundred or above. Fifty five hundred. Fifty five hundred. You got yes. Sportsbettingdime.com updated May eighth. That's crazy. So he's at least for plus forty five hundred for Nesta. If you're a Yankee fan, throw ten bucks on Nesta Cortez to win Cy Young because if it happens, we're gonna be kicking ourselves here all the time. Verlander, Gosman, Cole, Otani, throwing great stuff all year round. Those are the big four names you'll likely see at the end of the year. But if you got to throw a little on, on Nasty Nestor. Why not? Absolutely. And I think getting canceled is just going to light the fire even more. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. So that, That's the way to do it. Two more versus Baltimore. And then the White Sox great. come. Three more versus Baltimore. Jeez. You're right because we don't have a day off until freaking – uh, 4th of Fourth July, of it seems July. like. <laughs> yeah. Three more versus Baltimore starting tonight with Jamison Tyone on the mound. Three versus the White, the White Sox, and then three versus Baltimore again. I would like to congratulate MLB for their just genius ingenuity on having the Yankees play the White Sox uh, and the Orioles only out of a 18-game span. I hate it. We have half the games done against the Blue Jays already. That'll be the – we'll have more than half – done before memorial day when the orioles come to town again we haven't played the rays at all yet the phillies and the mets are the same way they've played like nine series against very them. unbalanced schedule so far i believe for across baseball and that, and that's definitely helped the the yankees with their their success right now they are, are not playing great teams and that's fine that that just means in the end it's going to be a pretty tough schedule to end the year which, which is totally fine because this team I think is completely capable of knocking off any team in baseball as they currently have the best record in baseball. But schedule must go into a factor here. You're playing teams like the Orioles a ton. Playing the Royals already. Texas hasn't looked good. Let's be honest, the Red Sox are even worse than the Orioles right now. But in the opposite way, the Red Sox have had a very tough schedule compared to the Yankees here. So it's it's baseball is a law of averages and eventually much like batting averages and you know back of baseball card numbers tend to the water finds level the schedule is going to come back and the Yankees are going to have a real tough stretch coming up and maybe that that's going to be I think just kind of looking super far ahead Sam while while we while we're here that's going to look like the middle to end of June could be a brutal stretch for the Yankees Tampa Toronto Tampa Houston Oakland Houston that, that's a tough stretch 
whoa. And even the Los Angeles Angels coming to town in the beginning of June, who have been a very pleasant surprise, 24 and 13. That's going to be Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. I feel like Trout has not been healthy against the Yankees since like 2019. Obviously, when they play each other in 2020 or 2018, I think Trout was last healthy against the Yankees. Anyway, I, I do not remember seeing much of him against the Yankees unless it's a few years back. But that's going to be something to watch. But I don't think the schedule is all that terrible right now. They played the Blue Jays, who were 19 and 17, the White Sox on the road, who were around 500 and who have plenty of pitchers. I mean, the Yankees got to tee off on Cease on Thursday, which was really good to see. Yeah. No, I agree. They Look, they faced some good pitching. Um, around they, even when we swept the Guardians, they they were the they were a league leading team in runs coming into that series versus the Yankees. So while the, while the records you know for some of these teams are like around 500 here, you, you can only play your schedule, and the Yankees have dominated their schedule, flat out dominated their schedule. So let's continue that, Sam. Give me the prediction here of what's going to happen the rest of the week here. Three more at Baltimore, and then three more versus the White Sox. It's going to be you're going to get Cease again. It's basically going to get the same pitchers that we got in the in Chicago. We're going to see in the in the Bronx here. So give, give me what we're happening here these next six games. I think they're going to do the unthinkable and take care of business against the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. I think they're going to sweep them, and then. They're going to take two or three from the Chicago White Sox. Either way, I think they'll have the week started on Monday, seven games. I think they'll go six and one this week. Cool. cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go super, super bold here and say that Garrett Cole's next two starts versus the, versus the Orioles both times, one in Baltimore and one in New York. Uh, I know Nestor Cortez has flirted with it, giving up only three hits his last two starts combined. But uh, I think we might be on no hit watch with Garrett Cole. Versus the Orioles. He's been looking good for me. Like we were talking about that at that Cy Young Award odds here. I, I think Cole going eight innings, you know, going into the seventh, eighth inning with a no-hitter could be a, a possibility here. And that's what I'm going to look for uh, on Wednesday at Baltimore and then the uh, the following Monday in the Bronx. I love the thinking. I think I'm thinking right there along with you. And he's been pitching well with Trevino. Trevino is up there in league leading in pitch framing here. You get a nice comfy umpire and Cole comes out on a nice one, two, three first inning. The watch will be on. That's my guess. <laughs> Let's rock, Steve. I'm ready for it to happen. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Podcast and in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast for the first place Yankees, first place in the East. First place in the AL and first place in Major League Baseball. Me and Sam will jump back on before Memorial Day. Uh, until then, I mean, they've gone 11-1, 8-2, 7-3. It's tough to see the Yankees lose, so we'll, we'll keep watching some wins, and thanks for listening along. Enjoy the weather. The weather's heating up, and the Yankees are just as scorching hot. Go Yanks! <laughs>